It's July 4th weekend, and I always come to this weekend and have a memory of uh, years ago uh, of a dear friend and my, we, we had our families join, and we went on vacation uh, to a Chautauqua-like community in, called Lakeside off of Lake Erie outside of Sandusky, Ohio. And it was, my friend was Dean Weaver. He was a pastor, and he's now the, the stated clerk of our denomination. And on Sunday morning, it was, uh, it was July 4th that year. And so he and I got up early and left our families, and we went to a Sunday service on a dock. And I remember there was a, a, a Methodist preacher that was bringing the message, and the first thing they said when they got up is said, they said, I don't know what to preach this weekend. And he, Dean and I looked at each other and said, and, 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 and just by our eyes we connected and said, oh, this is, this is odd. And then after the service he came to me and he said it was all he could do to not raise his hand and say, I got something to preach. Um, and and this, so this Sunday, I wanted to look at a passage in Galatians 5. That, that speaks to freedom. And so, I, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. But the first six verses, we're going to look a little bit at what freedom is, and then think about that. Listen to the Word of God. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Let's pray. Lord, guide us as we consider your word. Guide us as we think about freedom, think about Christ, and think about what you would have for us. Guide my words, guide all of our hearts and minds as we seek you now in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This week in the United States, we celebrate our independence, our freedom. It is our freedom from the tyranny of a monarchy, a monarchy that, that only saw us as a resource that he possessed to feed his own purposes with no regard to ours. It is a freedom for self-rule and government of the people, by the people, and for the people. It is a noble purpose, a vision, an ideal 
It's cost a great deal to pursue this ideal through the centuries. And to my mind, it's been worth every heartache and every drop of blood. There are, are, there are times in our country's history where we can recognize just how fragile that vision is. It, it's, it's almost miraculous that this ideal survived the Civil War. Others thought we were coming apart in the 1960s, and others see our country's fragility right now. Paul is, is speaking of a different freedom in a different context. But this freedom that Paul is talking about is also being threatened in, in this, time, this time in the church in Galatia. A- apparently that freedom, that freedom that Paul's talking about can, is easily be lost as well. Instead of freedom from a tyranny and bondage to an uncaring monarch, Paul is talking about the freedom of the gospel. Gospel. Gospel, it's simply the Greek word for good news. Evangel, euangel. This is the good news he has for everyone who believes, and it is the good news of freedom. In essence, I do my best to preach this gospel every single week because it is the message of freedom. And, and, and honestly, to seek to live my life in that freedom every moment of every day. Today, I want to say one thing about it and then describe it. First, the gospel is good news. The term evangel means good news. It's not good advice. Advice is counsel regarding something that hasn't happened yet and, and that which you need to do for that. This is news. News is something reported, that, uh, reported on that has happened, and all you do is respond to it, respond to what's already happened. The, the famous preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones tells a story. He tells a story of a king involved in a battle. And depending on how the battle turns out, he's either going to send messengers, angeloi, messengers, or, or counselors, military. If they win, he's going he's to send messengers to tell his people the good news, and, and they can respond to that news with joy and celebration and go on about their lives with a, with a new assurance, with a new peace. But if they lose the battle, he's going to send counselors and officers and military back to the land, to, the, to his city, and they will advise the people on how to get ready for the battle to come to them, how to fight for their lives and their city and their freedom. With the gospel, we send heralds. We are messengers of a good news, of a victory won and a future secured. Now, either one of those bits of information have a response, either joy or fear. Victory brings joy, and with that joy, you may want to celebrate with prayer and worship. You'd be inspired to, to follow the Ten Commandments, to live well. News of defeat 
would have brought fear. We'd also want to pray, pray for salvation and from the coming threat, and, and, and we'd fear that if we didn't follow the Ten Commandments and live well, it would not go well for us. The actions may look nearly identical, but they have almost completely opposite motivations. One would ultimately lead to frustration and to burnout and to guilt and to to failure, living in the law. But the other leads to a freedom, a freedom of heart and an enduring and deep peace. So this is the gospel. This is the good news. It's good news that we have been rescued. We've been saved. We have freedom. In this case, it's from a different tyranny to a different freedom. This is not merely an independence from a political tyrant. It is a freedom from a different kind of oppression, a a different kind of bondage. I want to share with you the gospel in a very simple form. On the one hand, it's so simple. Here, let me get this ready. On the one hand, it's so simple any one of us, including young children, can understand it and ourselves share it. On the other hand, it covers all the depths of understanding everything, even in its greatest complexity in depth. I'll show you a tool for both understanding and sharing the gospel. For those who have been in church for a while, you've heard of other tools for sharing the gospel through the years. You may have known Kennedy's evangelism explosion. It's a pretty ornate tool for sharing the gospel. Or Bill Bright's Four Spiritual Laws is much simpler than that. You may have heard of the Roman Road or or what biblical theology students have called the kerygma, Greek word for the gospel. This tool is one that our denomination has encouraged us to train our congregations with so that all of us are equipped to share our faith whenever opportunities arise. And it's not meant to be an exclusive tool, but it's a good one. And, and one, of the, one, one that gives us a way to, as First Peter asks of us, be prepared to explain the hope that is within you, the, the freedom that's within you, you might say. I've been working, honestly, towards sharing this tool with you for a while now, and while I introduce it this morning, you'll be hearing more about it in the coming weeks and months as well. It's called the three circles. As it sounds, it's a very visual tool, and so I'm going to show it to you through an app on my iPhone. The app is called Life on Mission. You don't have to remember that. If you want to put this on a phone or an iPad or something, you can just search for the three circles. Anyone can download it for free. But the three circles is not only meant to be an electronic tool. You could draw this on a board or a napkin. You can draw this in the dirt as you, as you tell people the gospel. Or you can just describe it. It's called the three circles, and they describe everything, including the kind of freedom that we're talking about this morning. The first circle is God's design. I don't know if that's pretty small, but that's what it says in the middle of that circle. It just simply says God's design. 
The app, if you turn it sideways, has a short blurb on the bottom about what all this means, each, each of the steps, but it's a little easier to see, I think, this way. Um, the, it, God's design, very simply this, God made us. He designed us, and he made us good. He gave our lives meaning and purpose and ultimate value. He made the universe so that there's a way things should be. And at the heart of the way we should be is in a loving, trusting relationship with God and with loving relationships with each other. Now, I, I believe in our world today, everyone believes there's ways things should be. Even if we don't agree on what those things are, secular nihilism can't explain it even though it believes it, that there are ways things should be. And that's because God made us by design. That's, that's the first circle. But then something happened, and that is sin. It's, it's when we decided not to live according to his design, to his purpose, and we sought to go out on our own. And the result of that is we have a second circle, and that second circle is brokenness. Because of sin, we and our relationships are broken. Psychologically, we're broken. Uh, we are broken, alienated within our own selves. We don't even know who we are anymore. And everyone's always trying to figure that out. Socially, we're broken, alienated from each other, and our relationships are broken. Physically, we are broken, alienated, alienated with nature itself. Every ache and pain of mortality is going to tell us of this one. Spiritually, we're broken, alienated from our maker, our designer, our God. Brokenness touches every part of our world. We live in a fallen world, and we ourselves are fallen. So we start every service on Sunday morning with a time of confession as we come into God's presence. We make every effort to recover from and deal with that brokenness. We, we try to fix it through our politics, our science, which being good or smart or right. Or in many cases, we just try to flee from and guard ourselves from this brokenness to seek comfort and security or, or just escape. All of these efforts are the, the squiggly lines trying to deal with our brokenness, but they, they never fully get us to escape from it. And we know in our world there's one final form of brokenness, final result of sin, and that's death. No one's escaped that. This is the bondage the gospel is speaking to, and all of our efforts only keep us in that bondage to brokenness and sin. In the church in Galatia, someone was trying to tell them that people needed to be circumcised before they could be free from bondage. But you see, that's just counselors of bad news, 
telling them another squiggly line promise. The truth is, there's nothing we can do to free us from this bondage, from this brokenness, this fallenness in our world and even in our own lives. But, but we have good news, gospel, a third circle. The third circle is the gospel, and while we can't save ourselves, we can't free ourselves from this bondage, the God who made us has. Jesus, God's own son, came to save us. He pays the penalty for our sin. He rescues us from sin and death with his death and with his resurrection. And he frees us from the bondage in brokenness by restoring our relationship with God and then all of the other relationships that are broken. Here's what is asked of us. Here, repent and believe this good news. Repent means turn around. It, it means stop relying on all the other squiggly lines, on all yours and the world's efforts. Stop holding on to those as your only hope. Stop relying on yourself and trust Jesus' salvation. Trust that the news of victory is true and know his freedom. And then this is what happens. It's the reaction to those in the city who find out that the battle is won. We don't need to prepare for any more battles. Just receive the news and rejoice. We don't worship and pray because we're preparing for the fight to come to us. We worship and pray because we're grateful for the good news of the victory of Jesus Christ. Now we can recover from all the brokenness and pursue the life that God originally designed for us, a life of love with Him and with each other starting with enjoying our relationship with him who is our God and loves us still. I love how Paul puts it here in the beginning of this passage. It is for freedom that God has, that Christ has set you free. Amen. Live in that freedom of Christ. Don't go back living as slaves. That's the three circles. And we are going to keep coming back to them in future weeks. And truth be told, I've been teaching them to you since I got here. Among my first sermons last September was the story of the Bible. Remember chapter 1 and 2? Creation. God's design. Chapter 3, the fall, the mess and brokenness, the explanation for it that we're all in. We're living in a fallen, broken world, 
And, and the rest of the Bible is the story of God's work of redemption from our brokenness, culminating in the good news of Jesus Christ saving us, freeing us through his death and resurrection. The purpose of having this tool is to help you share the gospel. You'll begin to see nearly every conversation with people as is fitting right into these three circles. People will talk about the value and meaning of life and the way things should be. It's just circle one. Uh, even more conversations are going to be about what's wrong and, and the good and bad ways that we're trying to deal with it. Circle two. You can jump into nearly any conversation at, at any of those spots. And, and knowing Knowing the hope, the freedom of the good news, you know of another circle. And even when you work on responses to the curtain brokenness of the world, you do so as those who always hope and know freedom. I'm going home for the week after this afternoon down to L.A., and I'll be back Saturday and back in the pulpit on Sunday. And next week, we're going to have another key passage for the vision and mission of our church, or any church. We're going to talk about the Great Commission. And so be ready for that next Sunday. But I'm going to L.A. and Newport this coming week with my family and my friends, and we'll celebrate our country's independence and its vision of freedom. The greatest part of our country's freedom is the freedom to outwardly pursue the much greater freedom of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that there are many places in the world where being visible with or sharing the gospel of freedom is unlawful and dangerous. We have a lot to celebrate this week. The friends and family I'll be with this week are all across the spectrum of how to deal with the brokenness of this world. It, that means politically and personally and socially, we're all over the place. And some are believers and, and many of them aren't. And I hope I can be an encouragement to those who are and a light of hope and freedom to those who aren't. And with those whom I am closest my wife, my family will bear each other's burdens of still living in a broken world and in whatever brokenness there is in each one of our lives, because we're still here. And as we look together to the Lord in hope and worship, we will pursue that freedom that he has for us and live in it and celebrate that. Our house in L.A. is on a parade route, and they put up bleachers at the end of, the, end of our block and for spectators, and we have to get out there early in front of our house and put beach chairs on the curb so we can have a spot in front of our own house. And, and we'll be playing with kids and sharing barbecue and doing everything that we're supposed to do on Tuesday. But when I think about the freedom that we're celebrating, 
I'll know and be ready to share wherever the opportunity arises the greatest freedom of all. All the brokenness in our world is answered finally and fully in Jesus Christ, our Savior and our God. Let's pray. Lord, we stand amazed at what you have done for us. And just as our country celebrates our, our freedom on Tuesday, God, we come together every Sunday and celebrate the freedom we have in you. The freedom from fear and sin, the freedom even from death. For we know we still live in a fallen and broken world. We see that brokenness all around us and in and each other's and loved one's lives and on the news and virtually everywhere we look. And we see all the world's promises of overcoming that freedom. And no, we know they're not going to provide all that we need. But we know your promise and that it does provide us all the hope and purpose and meaning and life and freedom that we could ever dream of and more. For you are the God who made and created everything by your design. And even when we turned away, you pursued us and saved us, forgave us at great cost, the cost of your own son, and yet overcame death, that we might live with you God, may we live with you, even now, moment by moment, knowing the freedom of Christ in our hearts, in our lives, in our whole selves. We love you. God, I pray for any who might be hearing this and either hearing it for the first time or understanding it for the first time. Lord, may they hear the news and believe and trust you. And God, guide them to speak to someone else, uh, a, a believer who has trusted you and share their newfound faith. And, and God, begin a new life of freedom. God, all of us, we love you and thank you. Guide us as we Seek to live in your freedom. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen.